I'm going to bounce back and forth today because there's a couple random things I need to read. So, um, so from our collect today, from our opening prayer, this is one of the first things that's said in there. O God, by whose wondrous grace we are enriched with every blessing, grant us so to pass from former ways to newness of life. And then one of the prefaces that I had mentioned that, that we use a lot during Lent, it reads, For you have given your children sacred time for the renewing and purifying of their hearts, that freed from disordered affections, they may so deal with the things of this passing world as to hold rather to the things that eternally endure. So passing of former ways to newness of life and then also getting rid of our disordered affections so that we can focus on things that eternally endure. Those are some of the biggest and most important things that we hear today. And then for those of you who have your Magnificat or who read the daily readings, you probably saw that one of the longest readings that we ever get as a first reading is this reading from Daniel. Today this was a short form because the, the long form is actually quite, quite long. Um, but in it, it's one of the greatest stories of um, the Old Testament, I think. And I mean, oh man, what a clincher. Your fine lie has cost you your head. I mean, it's, it's, such, a, it's such a great um, story, but there's one particular there's one particular line in here, and I'm going to see if I could find it in here. Um, okay. This is in reference to the old men. They suppressed their consciences. They would not allow their eyes to look to heaven and did not keep in mind just judgments. So you can see that disordered affections, you know, focusing on things of the world. It's exactly when we do what these men did. They suppressed their consciences and would not allow their eyes to look to heaven. So that's what happens when we're basically caught in a life of sin, is we just shroud our, con our conscience in this way so that nobody can really see it, not even ourselves, and we just allow ourselves to function in the darkness instead of seeing God's light. That's all about what this period of Lent is. Again, like I've said throughout the time, is removing obstacles that are in our way between God and us. And one of the things that you notice today in the gospel that's kind of amazing in that story is, of course, we have these two old men who have evil intentions in the first reading, but then we also have this adulterous woman, the very thing that those men were accusing Susanna of, of which she, she did not do. Uh, but one of the amazing things is this is the only time that we ever see that Jesus wrote anything. You know, it's amazing. We have the scriptures, and so we think of like, oh, well, we have these things recorded. But of course, Jesus didn't write these things down. You know, he preached them, and his apostles subsequently wrote them down and compiled them all. But what he's writing down, so the implication that happens there is it says at the end, as he continues to write things in the ground, because it never says what he writes, but what happens the oldest start leaving first. The people who have lived on the earth the longest have the most time to do the most sinning. <laughs> you know, so what happens is, is the, the implication, or what many scholars have said, is that what he was writing were the sins of the people there present. And so those that had lived on the earth longer, 
as soon as they started to see the things that they were guilty of, that they knew in their own conscience, they walked away realizing that they could not condemn this own woman because some of their own secret sins were inside, although Jesus reveals them in that kind of way. But there's that one great condition that we read about at the end. He said, you know, you know, you know where is everybody? You know, there, is there anyone here to condemn you? You know, no, Lord, no one. You know, so neither do I condemn you. But there's a huge condition on neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Remember, these things are conditional. They're like, oh, how merciful Jesus is. He's so wonderful. He's so merciful. It's just like, yeah, on the condition that you don't go back out into the world and start sinning again. You know, that was his, his mercy is actually conditional on that thing. Um, sometimes we can't take the mercy of God without understanding that there are repercussions for our own actions in life. So again, that's why we try to sever disordered affections from our life. So there's one other thing I brought to read you here. I don't know, all kinds of conclusions that occurred to me today for some sort of reason. Um, but this is from uh, the book Hard Sayings by Trent Horn. Trent Horn is a Catholic apologist that some of you might know. Sometimes he's on uh, Catholic answers for different things. But a lot of people have difficulties a lot of times with descriptions in the Bible, like when we hear Old Testament stories or different things like that that sound difficult or challenging at times. And so one of the things we have to remember again is that God is ministering to us as a people, so he always has to come down and meet us on a level that we can understand. We always have to remember that he is being itself. He is infinite. He is outside of emotion or time or all of these things. Very hard for us to wrap our mind around, but he comes to us, our Blessed Mother comes to us in this humanly form so we can understand it because that's who we are. You know, we don't, we don't rise to meet, meet his level. He comes down to meet ours so we can understand. And so this is just a great description of, of God. And when we're thinking about the Old Testament and God himself, when the Bible describes God as having emotions like anger, regret, or pleasure, we understand that these are metaphors that describe how human beings relate to God, not how God relates to us. Saying God is angry at our sin or pleased with our obedience doesn't mean God is reacting to something we did. It means we did something to alienate ourselves from God or to draw us closer to him. Pope Benedict, Benedict the Sixth. Pope Benedict XVI puts it this way, the wrath of God is a way of saying that I have been living in a way that is contrary to the love that is God. The punishment of God is in fact an expression for having missed the right road and then experiencing the consequences that follow from taking the wrong track and wandering away from the right way of living. So those are important, important distinctions that when, when God's anger or wrath are expressed, it really actually comes down to what we do to either draw closer to God, to existence itself, or what we do to pull ourselves away. And so it's those disordered affections that pull ourselves away. Not that God acts in the angry response like we would react to our own children or something like that. He's outside of those things, but... He's often written of as a parent, as somebody who is somebody who loves and reacts to us in that way, because it's a level that we can understand. 
That's such an important distinction because we need to realize how high God's ways are above our ways, as it says in Isaiah. We always have to remember that God is so far outside of our understanding and our real grasp. But that's the amazing thing about how he humbles himself, that he comes to meet us. He always comes to meet us. And so we have to put aside disordered affections so that we can meet him. God bless you all.